All For right. sure. All right. I am here. Let's see if I can get it in the gallery view. Oh, we're side by side on my screen. That's how we're going to record it. I'm here with Benjamin Pelton, my friend, my colleague from um, the very first ever class of Wim Hof Method Instructors back in 2016. I met this guy in Los Angeles in uh, May of 2016. And uh, he was he, he was a pretty muscular guy back then, but I think he might've put on a few pounds of muscle since then as well. Um, we got into Wim Hof Method and I got to say ever since, what's funny, I think we also got into jujitsu at the same time, but whereas your belt has gone quickly changed colors down to, <laughs> I believe black, if I'm, if I'm correct. No, that... no, no, no. Okay. Okay. No. So you're not there yet. Blue. It's blue or purple. It's a blue, it's okay. a blue belt, okay. but um, definitely trying to get to the black. Compared, sure. compared to my bleach, <laughs> like, starchy Fresh. white you know it's i mean you know it's pretty much still folded and it's got like a little tag on it still almost you know that's how that's how little i have progressed so i'm interested in finding out uh more about your your progression there and then in addition to that uh ben you are i believe still a doctoral student uh studying philosophy in what university is that Dude, so I haven't been able to update you. Okay, so yes, not, this is why I, we got to talk. Tell exactly. Me what's happening? Sadly, sadly, Florida State University did not accept me into their program. A bunch of losers and is what they are. I, it was a very big disappointment because I couldn't imagine why they wouldn't want me to be in their program to continue to be studying, driving the other students, and yeah. spreading this discussion on all sorts of topics. So you learned so, jiu-jitsu to get back at those bastards. I like it. <laughs> Well, there's that. And then right after that, listen, it was in December okay. that they let me know COVID happened in March. So it was like interesting coincidence of events where like Just I didn't dessert. get accepted yeah. and I took it as a universal thing of being like, this isn't the time for this in your life right now. So well, it turned out. Well, it turned out it was it was the perfect time not to go to school. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, literally. Like, and and I had someone advise me not to go back to school before yeah. I was applying, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna go ahead because this is what I think would be best for me. Right. Then I got rejected. Then the COVID thing happened, and I thought I went back to the person that told me like you shouldn't go back to school right now, and I'm like, dude, what did you know? <laughs> right. So, so it's kind so, of redirected my, my life goals. And at the same time, I also moved back to Miami, Florida. So now okay. I'm in Miami. Originally, I was applying to school while I was in Vero Beach, okay. which is where I started picking up jujitsu. And um, now I'm in Miami, where's my hometown. So I have the hometown advantage back on my side. I like it. And, and uh, I'm actually now teaching my own association as a head instructor for the jujitsu down here in Miami. You're so teaching. Yes, which is really interesting because I'm a blue belt, which yeah. isn't really what most blue belts do. Um, right. Normally, they expect you to be a black belt before you're teaching. Mm -hmm. But my master, Master Hernando Tavares, is a legend in the sport of jiu-jitsu. Um, I asked him for his permission, for his blessings of, hey, can I use your affiliation to be teaching? And he said, yeah, no problem. While I was awesome. at Vero Beach, he already had me assisting as an instructor during the beginner's class. 
So I was already developing okay. my skills to teach jujitsu, but he also knows that I'm a tack fit instructor, a Wim Hof instructor, right. a few other instructors. So like he knows I have the skill of teaching and that just going to another you know, program or material to teach is not difficult for me. So that right. I think allowed him to feel, you know, comfortable going ahead and having me teach as a blue belt. Dude, that's all. Now, real quick, real technical question. Can you hear my humidifier in the background? No. Okay, good. Cause that just went on here in Indiana. Okay. So you don't have this problem in like the Northern Caribbean or wherever, you know, but <laughs> But we have to treat our air. Like in the summertime, it's as wet as the air is probably right now where you are. In the wintertime, all of the humidity leaves and breath workers like myself are left just, just parched. Like my nose is just, it just turns into a desert. So, so I, I'm really strict about it. like, okay, we got to treat this air. Actually, right. I met a guy in jujitsu, um, recently uh who he moved for some reason from hawaii to indiana and i was just like okay okay you are you running from the law like <laughs> you owe money Seriously, you're trying to hide out like, where, you <laughs> where, where is this going like what's your plan and and you know he was i guess it was for his his wife's family lives here I'm like, mm. oh, dude, I don't know, man. I from Hawaii, right? I, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, why not just bring the family to Hawaii? Hawaii? But it was crazy because the first year he he was he just couldn't understand what was wrong with his sinuses. I was like, mm. no, 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 no. Let me tell you, let me tell you, it's the air. Right. Freeze all, all of the water out of the air. But anyway, anyway, getting back. So, to do you have a humidifier in every room? So I've got a a big like humidifier that serves for the whole house and it's sort of close it's not really that loud but it's over here kind of in the living room ish area it's kind of an open space type of a house and um it's it, today like it's down you know it's below freezing earlier today and then you know we're, we're in the frosty times so so the grass when you when you get out there it's crunchy nice and you know i mean it's it's perfect for for training <laughs> wim hof right. method it's perfect for cold training you know and so it's it's really cool and you know i can't complain because i really i really enjoy the fact that it's you know it's it's not an ice bath every day so once it turns cold out i get to go out and play in the you know the i'm hoping for snow we had some flurries today now I don't know if I told you this. I don't think I did because I, 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 I'm a Midwesterner and we don't tell things. We, we're very, uh, we're very <laughs> you know me, you know how quiet and reserved I am. But uh, so it's my birthday this week and I'm hoping, so Friday's my birthday and I'm hoping for snow. And on Thursday in the forecast, it does say something about snow. So, you know. Let's go. Yeah, some let's, snow let's for Jesse's birthday. Exactly. Make it dumps himself oh dude now i've got family in florida and that's something you and i we've tried to hook up a few times to do a wim hof method workshop down there it hasn't worked out so far covid completely blew everything out i had to cancel like a dozen workshops and you know it just kind of everything kind of went to a, a screeching halt eventually right. we're going to do that down there though 
Yeah, we nice. should. We definitely need to. You were saying in Orlando, right? That's where my wife's family lives. And so either way, we could definitely find a spot in Florida. But you're right. The COVID for me, too, I had to cancel workshops. I was supposed to travel out to Vancouver to actually do two workshops out there. Oh. And it was like right in the beginning where people weren't sure if it was like acceptable to be traveling and the yes. country still hadn't banned it yet. Yeah. And then it just came down to being like, no, nah, we're just going to go ahead and shut this down. So yeah, there was that um, awkward period, right? Where it was like, you know, I, I heard there's a pandemic. But, you know, because there was a while, you know, I think whenever they, it was just at the very beginning, people were just like, I guess I remember I was coming back. I, I went to Poland um, for uh, the Wim uh, to experience for a couple of weeks and led a couple of expeditions out there and uh, came back and uh, I saw a bunch of people wearing masks in the airport. And I was like, well, you know, some people just they're really careful and you know, it's weird, but okay, no big deal. And then I, I got back and I was so jet lagged. Uh, I heard about COVID as I was coming through customs and stuff. And I was so jet lagged the next day. I was like, oh no, oh no, I got it already. You know, it was jet lag like crazy, <laughs> but yeah, it turned out. I mean, I dude, I just needed a nap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I was in New York, I traveled to New York in early January, and I came back from New York really sick, and yeah. it was it was pretty gnarly for me. Like as a Wim Hof practitioner, I don't really get sick, so when right. I got hit with this bug, I was like really sick. And this was before COVID was even a thing yet, right? Yeah. Like I think December is when they started having issues in China or wherever it was an issue, right? And then January happened, and then February was like alarming, and then March was like the beginning of lockdown. So in yes. January, I got tagged really hard and was almost going to go to the doctor because I was like, it was lingering for almost yeah. a week. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know about this one. Like, what's going on here? And then um, I broke it. But um, when it finally hit, I looked into the symptoms of COVID and was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this thing that There's people one. are talking There's about? <laughs> <laughs> Same, like may feel like you're drowning, like hard time breathing. I was like, dude, that was me in January. So I feel like I had people. it. Yeah. But I've heard but I haven't had those symptoms that. since. I haven't had those symptoms since. And here in Miami, I've had people that have I've been around that have tested positive and they haven't really had those kind of symptoms. So I don't know, like we could go down the rabbit hole oh, God, this whole yeah. COVID but, nonsense, but right. Yeah. I think I think it's got everybody if you catch a cold, you know, I think everybody is like extra like dude, you keep that at your house. Right. Don't you, don't you bring it's so, it <laughs> Someone was saying like there's a a meme where like someone sneezes in a grocery store and everyone ducks like someone's oh, yeah. got a gun. Right, you know, right. it's like someone's shooting a gun in there. You're I like, know. Oh, no. And it's, it's a crazy time, you know, it, and this is one of those things where um, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm just going to say a little bit, but it's, you know, <laughs> your so, birthday is coming up. Yeah. yeah. And it's a pretty big one. It's, it's a big one. It's uh, it's the big 40. I was going to say, I was yeah. like, it's a big you knew one. I was in my thirties already. Yeah. It's, it, the yeah. Big one, it's hitting. Yeah. Well, when I was, I just remember, you know, when I was 21, um, 9-11 happened and I was like oh this is just crazy times right and then you know I just didn't think I would live to another weird crazy time in history but 
history is full of. So is this crazier times. too? Is this crazier oh, than that one? Way crazier. Yeah, I think the thing is with with nine eleven, it was like everybody was still glued to their televisions. I think that was the first time in my life that everybody was glued to their televisions all the time. Cable news was kind of still, you know, yeah, it was there, but I think cable news really bloomed, sadly, you know, because of it. And uh, before you know it, everybody was just glued to the televisions all the time. And um, social media wasn't really a thing or anything like that. No, not even close. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think we had MySpace at the time. So you got all your (laughs) logging on, you know, you've got mail. I mean, it was the early days of the internet. So maybe you might, that you didn't have all these voices that you have now. And, right. and now it's, it's really confusing. I think, um, cause you're just trying to, I think, I think most people are just trying to make the right decisions for themselves and their families. And they're just trying to, you know, be trying to be rational and not give in to fear, but not be reckless. And, um, and it's, there's so many more voices now than there ever were, were before. And it's, I think it's harder whenever you have all that input. Um, but right. you know, one of the things though, that I, I do think about what, what happened to me with uh, jujitsu, I, it, it completely eliminated the possibility because I was hoping to go back to jujitsu. What happened was I broke my finger. I don't know if you can see this, but it's still, this is a rubber wedding band because I can't get my finger. I can't get it over the knuckle. So what happened, we were doing takedowns and, uh, and I was, I, a knee, a knee landed right here. Uh, and, and now this particular knee belongs to a guy who I, I train with breath work now. He's an amazing kickboxer here in Indiana. Uh, he's, he's about to go to the state championships, which I think you said you're, you're climbing the ranks. Uh, yeah, I, I'm fighting on Friday, your birthday. Oh, dude. <laughs> Oh, that is so awesome. Is there any way I can watch? Um, there is an organization that's called flowgrappling.com. <clears throat> and I think they will be streaming the games. Okay. Um, but yeah, we'll have to check into that. Um, it's the world championship. So this is literally world. the biggest, this oh is the biggest God. tournament of the year. Um, and it's called the Masters World Championship. IBJJF, so International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. Oh, my God. And, um, yeah, it's really cool. I'm ranked – they got me ranked four out of 22 in my bracket, so I'm top five for the world rankings right now. And, um, yeah, fingers crossed. I've been training for months for this moment to oh uh, test myself. I got to buy my first fight and then the first round, and then from there we'll see what happens. You know, it's – with fighting – it's always like who prepared the most, who yeah. didn't make mistakes, and who mm-hmm. capitalized on other people's mistakes. So it's like those options are always a variable that the fight can go anyway. Or just some weird thing happens, you slip and are like you get bumped in the knee and you break your finger. So Yeah. Um, well, and that's what took me out originally. <clears throat> and you know how in any can any kind of injury is it's it's a catastrophe whenever you're really trying to make progress because you're like all you can think about is being in there rolling or practicing, doing drills or whatever. And then uh, that's the worst thing you can do because you need to stay still and you need to try to recover and, you know, or at least, at least do minimal stuff. Well, you and I practice this Wim Hof method thing. So I was, my, my uh, inflammation was minimal. 
it was, and it, and it really didn't hurt that bad. It's just that it looked bad. And I was like, okay, I think it would hurt more if it was really broken. And I, I did all the stupidest, you know, all the things was like, ah, it's probably <laughs> fine. Just put some tape on it. I'll just buddy tape the thing over here, you know? And so I've done it to many toes. I, I've broken many toes, but well, not many. Right. I broke two toes, two pinky toes. Both <laughs> of my like, pinky toes. toes. <laughs> They're all like, <laughs> I'm walking in there like a weird kind of a crow bearded man. And so... <laughs> So, but like, I, so I've already done it with toes and I was like, I'll just, you know, I'll just, I think I already, I did it with another finger too. And I was like, I'll just do it with this thing. It's probably no big deal. I kept going in there, coming out every time and it started to kind of throb and I'd go take an ice bath or something. And eventually it had two weeks had gone by and I'm like, you know, this isn't going away. And my wife had already was like, she's like, I've just given up on ever you doing anything not stupid with, you know, with your training. <laughs> So I went, eventually got an x-ray and they're like, yeah, you broke that. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. And they're like, yeah, you broke it. And, and, and it started to grow back and there's, there's scar tissue uh, and synovial fluid. And I'm like, yeah. So like, when can I go back to the gym? And so, so the thing is though, I got, eh, it's better than it was before. And now I can play guitar again and all those other things. And, uh, and so I went to, uh, so I, I stopped doing jujitsu for, for about six months um, because I, that happened. And then I got busy with workshops and then I came back from Poland. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some roles and stuff like that. And then COVID hit. Um, and then I had a, I broke my other finger. Like I've broken these two fingers. It was the stupidest thing. So, so my, I, it's been so long that, whenever I go in again, it's going to be like my first lesson again, it'll feel like. <laughs> but speaking of first lesson, why don't you take, where did this start? I know when I first met you, you were not talking about doing jujitsu. And I think I started kind of seeing some of your posts about, Hey, I went to the, the gym today to do some roles and things like that. How take us through from like, what got you into it? Great, great question. Um, while I was in Miami at the U UFC gym as an instructor there, I was a strength and conditioning coach and I was teaching a body movement class there. And it was the flow fit program that was like, I was um, kind of making it like their yoga flow class. They had a program called yoga flow, which was for yoga instructors, but flow fit is a program that has body movement and yoga movements. So I kind of was able to like convince them that I should teach that slot <laughs> but for this different curriculum, but it's similar. I'm but seeing it's a not. pattern. I'm convincing. <laughs> uh, you know, I can teach it. I promise. Yeah. Uh, let me show you. Let me show you. You know, there's an up dog and yeah, a down yeah. dog in it. So what do you need to know? Yoga. Yeah, yoga, there's like a tree know? pose and then, yeah, <laughs> touch your toes. <laughs> So um, they let me have the slot. And while I was teaching the body movement class, I had a lot of uh, jujitsu guys from the gym come to that, that hour slot and use it for mobility training. And mm -hmm. so they were gaining more mobility in their hips, in their shoulders. And they were like, dude, this class is awesome. You're a really great mover as the instructor. Have you tried jujitsu? And I was like, I'm not into martial arts. It's not my, my thing. Like, I'm not really interested in that. And um, I didn't like the instructor there either. Like, ah, I just, we didn't, we didn't connect. That's and, big. Right. 
So I didn't do jujitsu. I moved to Vero Beach for a business opportunity. And that's the beverage company does the medicinal mushrooms called oh, Myco Tea. Cool. So I was working with them doing their marketing and sales. And I had to move from Miami to Vero Beach. Vero Beach is about two and a half hours north on the East Coast on the Atlantic Ocean. Beautiful mm -hmm. little like surfy, beachy kind of spot. Cool. Um, a lot of retirees there. And um, I didn't know anyone there. So I'm like, all right, let me let me search Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Vero Beach. And my master pops up and his resume is crazy. Yeah. Five-time world champion, fifth degree black belt, <laughs> 40 years of training. Okay. Like uh, all these credentials that you're nice. like, all right, if y'all want to learn from someone that's yeah. Jiu-Jitsu, like this is the guy to learn from. So I, I contact him. I go to the first lesson. Don't know anything. You know, he's like, all right, right. throw a punch and I'm going to show you how to block it. And I was like, I don't even know how to throw a punch, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> like help me out. You know, isn't that weird? Is that not to interrupt it, but think about that. Cause that was one big obstacle. I think for me, when I started, it was like, I was comfortable with my own body. Right. And, and moving around with my own body, but actually being physically engaged with another person was right. really alien it was a real foreign thing to me right and you can think about it like that and just like doing martial movements right like yeah. movements that are martial related that like i never was introduced to that like i played <laughs> lacrosse i played right. football you know i did other contact sports but i never did like striking kicking yeah. you know wrestling so those things were really alien to me like you said but i left that class feeling like amazed of all the different things I could learn and like yeah. I just loved how I felt so I told the guy I'm like man I'm so excited for this new hobby he looks at me and goes this isn't a hobby this is a lifestyle <laughs> and I was like oh. yeah like, yeah yes, I love you know it's lifestyle. legit yeah <laughs> so that was the beginning and then ever since then like as an athlete as a Wim Hof instructor you know I'm always you know committed to the mission of whatever I'm practicing and so I just joined in Monday through Friday doing an hour, you know, an hour every beginner's class and um, growing from there. And um, because of my work schedule, because of not knowing anyone in the city, like that became my new lifestyle. Literally, it was my lifestyle, like that's, getting that's up, going to, to work. start to get to know people too. Because, the, right. I, you know, the people in the gym, some of the greatest guys I know, I met, you know, and, and it's crazy because you get to know these guys. And, and of course, it, it's, it sounds to someone who, who's never done any kind of martial arts before, it's, it sounds kind of weird, but you get to know them on this level where it's like, you know, if it's a leg guy or it's a, you know, you kind of get to know their habits in a way that it's hard to get to know people otherwise, like outside of that. Well, I got another way to look at it, right? Yeah. Which is we're, we're learning people on a nonverbal way. So it's a nonverbal oh, yeah. communication with that person that like when you're training with them, there's no communications or words being transferred, but just the energy and physicality that you're communicating through training. Yeah. Like you build a very strong bond with that person. Either you're going to connect positively or you're going to connect <laughs> negatively. Yeah. <laughs> but you're, you're definitely connecting with that person. So um, to me, I feel like that's like a really cool thing that a lot of people miss out on. Like, um, you yes. know, yeah, I never would have, like, like, I think, I feel like I'm missing out right now because I'm not doing it. And, like, I remember the vast majority of my life, I felt like, well, I'm a lover, not a fighter, man. You know, you know how it is. Like, I don't need any of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I just never really considered it. And 
it actually it wasn't until of course you know i'm an english professor and so with you know all these school shootings were happening and um the, i was i was just like well you see enough of those happening and then then what ha started happening was so there were some unruly kids that were at our school and the chair of my department or you know, occasionally would say, hey, are you gonna be in the hallway of this hallway during this hour? Because there's this one person who they're having some troubles with. And like, I work out, okay? And right, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Like, I can, I can flex at him or- Yeah, it's you like, know, you I, got I, a nice physique and yeah, a big beard. And right, like, right. right. Jesse knows what he's doing. Professor Jesse will take him out. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I, what am I supposed to do? Like, scare him? <laughs> Him with some big words. I know, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but like, once, yeah, once they figure out that I didn't, I don't have any idea what I'm doing with my body, then, you know, the, it's, it's going to be over. And not to mention, even, even if I, if you do know how to fight, you don't know if the other person knows. Most people don't. That's that, really, I think one of the big bonuses of even just being a beginner in any kind of martial arts, most people they they watch you know maybe Jean Claude Van Damme movies or whatever and they, you know it's, they they they're like okay or they see UFC or something you know they yeah. watch a UFC fight and and they know you're supposed to hit him in the head and they know you know it's or, or you've seen some moves before but if like I remember schoolyard fights when I was a kid and I remember seeing fights and most of it was just I mean it was just brawling with no real. Uh, technical objective. movements yeah, yeah there's no techno like, right it's just a full-blown like brawl and there's no it's a lot of sway of fray, oh, flailing, flailing and yeah, um, yeah and nothing really technical about the technique but like you're saying like for me it blows my mind that people want to fight people in the streets like because i'm a lover and not a fighter right but like now that i know training i'm like why would anyone want to try someone because like if you don't know training yeah. And you accidentally bump into someone that does, yeah. like your day is so sorry. Like you're not going to be happy it's, that you did that. Well, and what proved it to me. So on my first lesson there, the, um, the coach, he, uh, he took me through some basic movements. Uh, and then uh, the second day I was there, um, it was, it was just me. And there was this girl who might be maybe, a hundred and maybe 110 pounds wet, you know, just, she's this little thing. And he was like, Hey, Jesse, why don't you go ahead and try, we're going to try a roll and you're going to go against Heather and she will, you know, she, she you, she'll play with you. Yeah. And I was <laughs> like, and here I was, I'm six, one, you know, two ten, two twenty. 220. I'm like, yeah okay here we go you're you like know, okay it, it was and then, you know all this stuff i was like i, I don't want to hurt you now you're like i don't want to <laughs> yeah, exactly and so i'm coming at it it's before i mean before i knew what happened you know i was i tapped like three times in the amount of time that it should have taken one roll to happen you know it was right. it was just so and it proved to me and that was because I think a lot of people would just say, okay, this isn't for me. Um, it depends. It's one of those decision times. It's like you either get hooked or your ego doesn't let you go any further. And I was like, if that little girl, you know, and that's what she was compared to me. I mean, this woman was, 
very, she's still very petite, very well accomplished. Um, and she kept on progressing. I, I, who knows what she's doing now? I mean, Heather, if you're watching right now, I'm sure you're still killing it. Um, but it, you know, that proved to me right there. I was like, whoa, if, if she can do that to me, what could I do if I learned some of these things, you know? And so <clears throat> that's what got me hooked. And I only went, I would only, I usually only went maybe two or three times a week, you know, with, with my schedule and everything. Um, and, you know, being a dad and having all these things, it, it, there's a lot of things going on in my schedule. So, but, but it was, it was so empowering, you know, just saying, okay, all right, I, I have a pretty good handle on maybe these guys at the gym can all throw me around, <laughs> but you know, I, I feel like I can at least hold my own if something were to happen. And we did some collie, uh, a little bit of a little bit of collie, um, not with the actual knives or anything like that, but with just just more of a, a self defense type of a thing. But mostly, I just got hooked on jujitsu, um, and of course, you know, you got hooked, and then when did you decide, okay, I'm going to start leveling up? Did you start with gi or has it always yeah, been Yeah, I, I, I've always been gi. I'm not really a big no-gi guy. Uh, mm -hmm. Recently, I have been playing more no-gi just because it seems like you need to be good at both of them mm -hmm. and that they complement each other. You know, they're just two different scenarios. One, you're slippery and sliding around. The other one, you have grips and you can yeah. really control people. So um, my school is mostly a, a gi school. My master trains a lot of gi. And so our organization particularly has a lot of people that compete because yeah. our master still competes. Like last Friday, okay. he had a fight, fight to win fight at he's 52 and Hell he won yeah. his fight. Yeah, I know. See, he's a six degree black belt now. So he just got promoted and um, he's just like a solid piece of stone. Oh, and geez. yeah, the guy's a monster, um, <laughs> but he competes. And so he leads from the front which is a That's great awesome. example of like how to really excel in the sport, who to look up to, how to be motivated, how to plan for your fights. So as an athlete already, I had the mindset, like, let me learn the curriculum. Let me learn the moves, the map, before yeah. I decide to really like put myself at a high risk um, experience. Yeah. And then on top of that, he, I guess, saw as a coaching move to not allow me to roll for 50 sessions so this was like mm. he never really did this it was, it was kind of a new curriculum he created and i think it had partly to do with me being there but he just made me go to beginners class and only learn drilling techniques for 50 classes before wow. i was allowed to be in a like a full paced role so by the time i was ready to roll i had already figured oh, out yeah. the entire map all the submissions all the positions and then was like, all right, you're ready to come to intermediate class where we do our rolling. <clears throat> so I had maybe almost a year of training, you know, maybe a six months of that because I was just crushing sessions to get awesome. those sessions done and um, learned the map, started training. And I, I committed to not fighting for a year. I was like, I want to be yes. proficient before I compete. And then the second year of my white belt, I started competing like once a month. I just started registering for different uh, competitions in the area. And then what's interesting is when you go to a competition, my first one, yeah. I'm talking to a purple belt, I'm a white belt. And he's like, man, I'm so glad that you're here fighting. Like when you go to fight, you'll get like a month to two months of training and one day of <laughs> one day of fighting. 
And so like, if you really want to excel in your, in your degrees, you should always be fighting because that's yeah. going to force you to become better. And so <clears throat> that second year of my white belt doing, you know, I think I competed 11 times in 12 months. Oh my God. Um, that I, is so I, awesome, man. Yeah. Yes. And it was 11 awesome, times. Man. Yeah. It could have been maybe more. Um, I lost a few, but I did start placing and winning medals, which was really an exciting experience because that's, you know, it makes you, it's just a medal, right? It's just a piece of metal, but, um, but it's the effort and the time and, you know, the dedication that is really the awards showing that you're like, you're putting in the effort to get that. Um, but then you go back to school, right? And you yeah. start training with the people that aren't competing and you start to immediately sense the difference of the level of intensity that they think is normal. Versus right. now that you've been in a fight with yeah. like three or four guys just trying to kill each other. Right. That when you go back to practice, you're like, this is so slow. This pace is so much like more relaxed. And yeah. you're like, wow, I am so much better now because this normal practice speed is so yeah. slow. It's so slow. And then you're like, dang, that's the new bug is because you're like, wait, I'm only going to get that level if I fight because mm. I'm not going to get in a competition. But that's why certain teams create competition teams because then they get guys that are always competing together and they know what that intensity is. So then when uh, they're practicing, yeah. they keep that higher intensity of like a competition team try practice versus like guys that are doctors, lawyers, right. you know, moms and pops that just want to yeah. come and be a part of a community and get exercise. They don't want to be getting smashed and murdered like a competition team. <laughs> so <clears throat> this was an interesting experience for me. Like I'm, 31 now. I started when I was like 28, 29. Yeah. And so, um, you know, as a younger motivated athlete, you know, it yeah. was hard at the beginning to be able to recognize who the people are that like aren't really interested in getting smashed. And then who are the ones that are like, hey, I'm a competitive athlete too. Like, let's push each other to get better. So yeah. it was like another maturing experience in this whole jujitsu growing that was like, hey, look, and, you know, not everyone is here to be a competitor. And like, I had to have that talk with my master because like, there was a little like friction coming on with people because, you know, there's other guys that they're not competitors, but they still want to bring the heat. Sure. So then you, yeah. so then you bring the heat to them, but then they maybe don't want the heat as much. And then, they're, <laughs> then you're like having to talk about like, why is there so much heat between each other? And then my master's like, look, you got to be respectful. These guys are not competitors. You need to recognize yeah. that when you roll with those individuals, you know, find the guys that are ready to go with the heat and then push each other. But, you know, find that boundary and be respectful. Because, of course, like we have a saying, don't break your toys. Because if you break your toys, you have no <laughs> toys to play with. Right? I like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's always about getting each other better. And, um so yeah, my second year, I competed like a monster. That got me better. Then I realized like the only way I'm going to continue to get better like that is to keep competing. And um, I went out to Las Vegas towards the end of my white belt to compete in the Novice World Championship, which is kind of like what I'm doing on Friday, but as a white belt. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up losing my fight when finishing third, um, which was quite an experience. Yeah, but awesome. the learning experience was you have to warm up before your fight. And okay. Um, okay. If my dad ever watches this, I love you, dad, but you're the reason I lost because I told you not to come. 
I was like, I don't need any distractions. Please, no distractions. Oh. He surprises me and flies out there. It's being and the like, good dad, right? Trying being to be the, the good, good dad, dad. but be there for my son. I want to see my son fight <laughs> the world championship. But I came out of the bathroom, changed to get ready to start warming up. Yeah. And I ran into him. I accidentally, oh. like, saw him. And I was like, dude, you can't not say hello to your father. Like, That's there's right. your father. Like, yeah. you got to go say hi to him. So I go to talk to him. Next thing you know, they're on the mic, like, Robert Benjamin Pelton, please oh, report to geez. Matt one. You're on the mat. Oh. So I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't even warmed up. <laughs> so I run over there. And I start freaking warming up. And the guy that I was fighting, he already fought one fight. So he was, he was so warm. He was prime. He was yeah. smoking hot. His engine yeah. was just like, ring, 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 ready to go. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, like his, his reaction was so quick that he just ended up uh, getting the fight and closing it out on me. So that yeah. was the lesson, you know, like That's, my master lesson, says, yeah. he says, win or learn, you know, there's no there losing. It's always like learning. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the, the learning experience, which was when you fight, you need to be hundred percent ready to yeah. engage with anyone. Cause like, for example, Friday, I have a buy again. So the guys that I will be fighting will have completed one fight before I compete that oh, person. Okay. So I will purposely get myself, to the level of like sweating and being like I'm almost in a fight too. Yeah. So that my reactions, my nervous system is ready for a fight level. And you know, we have the conditioning now that like I did rolls on Friday. I think I rolled for an hour and a half. I just did like 10 rolls. Oh, back. Nice. I didn't stop. You I didn't stop. I just oh yeah, I'm I'm on another level now. It's pretty ridiculous. That's but beautiful, um, man. Yeah. Yeah. So just so any, to that you, level. Just to, just for, for those of you uh, who are watching or listening who are not familiar with what a role is, right? It's, it's, it's basically in jujitsu, it'd be kind of like, you might call it a spot when we spar or it's, it's essentially when you are doing jujitsu on each other, right? It's, it's an actual, it's like a, a practice match and you can go at maximum intensity pretty much because it's jujitsu and, you know, going for, you know, they, I think the average fight, right? The average street fight, what is it? It's like two minutes, three minutes long. And most people are just gassed. And, and that's why they end, right? It's, it's one person's like, oh, I threw a few punches and it's, and it's not over yet. And this guy, you know, that kind of deal. That's why they say, if you can last for the first couple of minutes, you, you're probably going to win if right. you know anything what you're doing. Because most people just gas out. Their adrenaline just burns through them. And then they're left just kind of drunkenly swinging and if you've ever seen like even bad mma you know i i don't know if how bad it gets down there but it's it's pretty bad uh, up here sometimes and there's guys that just kind of they i don't know if, even if they have to try out it's just they're like you, know, you want to kick some ass yeah okay you want to kick some okay cool we'll go and then they just kind of hit each other for a while and it's it's just really boring <laughs> it's just really boring to watch it's like uh, one of right. just trip and fall or something, you know, <laughs> but, but just for those who are, who are listening though, uh, to, to roll at a maximum intensity, the intensity that, that you bring in, in jujitsu, you know, it's, it's greater than like people talk about how, um, you know, swimming is, is uh, such a great, uh, uh, cardiovascular workout. And it is, it's a, it's a fantastic cardiovascular workout. But you've got this other person. It's like it's as if the water is trying to trying to actively drown you, as opposed to you know <laughs> <laughs> just being a you drown yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you've got these two human beings who are who are going at it a hundred percent, and to do that for really 
to do that, uh, to make it through like just five minutes, uh, a few five, you know, three to five minute rolls is pretty significant for most, for the average person, you're going to be pretty tired by the time you get done. So an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. You're on a new. Yeah. It was, yeah. I, um, just to let people know, I have a few white belts that are my students and mm -hmm. I mean, they just started. So, yeah. um, I have them roll now for three minutes because three minutes exactly. is literally the level that they can maintain before they literally lay on the mat, uh, gas, like gas yeah. to the max. So, um, my other student, Mitch, he started at three minutes and then we bumped him to three and a half, four minutes, four and a half. And now he's running. He did the other day, three, five minute rounds with me. No problem. One minute recovery in between the rounds. And he's now at that level of conditioning. Yeah. So then the other student, Tony, he wanted the role. So we got him in there. He, I maxed him out at three. He couldn't even finish. He got the 245 and he was done. Yeah. You know? so I, I've, I've been there though, especially when I first started where I'm like, just like, you know, I'm not, I'm not any, you know, they don't have a hold on me or, you know, it's, it's, I'm not even close to tapping, but I'm just like, you know what guys, uh, you know, we've been going I'm for a little while and I'm just ready for a break, you know, and, right. and it, there's, it takes a while before you kind of get that endurance. It's, it's kind of a, it's almost a discipline specific. Would you say it's like, I I've known people who can run, you know, long distances and things like that it's just a different kind of conditioning yeah definitely um I, it's like max efforts right yeah. i compare it to like hitting a piece of like a, de a deadlift that isn't coming off the ground you're literally like full exertion lifting it and it's not budging and then you have to like move to another technique which is then another maximal effort yeah. so th that's where i like the idea of like technique over strength yeah. Because if you're using a lot of strength, you will gas yourself out. And then as you were saying before with Heather, right. she was using technique on you and was able to move you around. And she was just like half your size. So it's exactly. like technique over strength always wins. And then if it's a tie, then whoever's a little bit stronger, they'll win. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, the conditioning is definitely specific to jujitsu, but I like to use jujitsu as like a barometer for my overall conditioning because i feel like yeah. it's such a athletic sport that like the other day i went and ran five and a half miles and it's just because and i try to use that as like okay if i'm training hard jujitsu i should be able to do other activities Absolutely. and not have a problem yeah so, well, you talk, so you that's know, what i've been doing there's so much research in hit right you know the high intensity interval training and uh <laughs> I mean, how much more high intensity can you get than rolling? And so, yeah, I can, I can see that. Now, whenever you get to competition, when you get to this point where you're really trying to prime your nervous system, take us through maybe what are, I mean, unless there's secrets that you, we, hey, I want you to win, no. my friend. So, but, but no, I'm no, saying, no, I mean, what are, yeah. some, so what are some things that maybe uh, that you do to prime yourself to get yourself ready? So I'm always uh, doing my breath work mm -hmm. and I'm making sure I get enough sleep. A uh, big thing for me too is hydration. Yeah. So I, I drink a gallon in, in 24 hours that I put magnesium and electrolytes in mm -hmm. and drink that throughout the day. Um, I did a competition where I took an ice bath the same morning of the competition to see yeah. if like getting that adrenaline released mm -hmm. earlier in the day would be helpful for, re for managing my nerves. Right. But I think it actually blew my fuse where like I didn't okay. have the adrenaline release like dripping 
that I would have preferred during the fight. So this time I'm doing it differently. I will not be doing an ice bath the same day. I'll do it like after because I, I want to have I want yeah because yeah, I want to have that adrenaline dump when I'm fighting to like have that extra edge when that's going on. But this week, so uh, I trained hard today already from eleven to one, um, pretty hard. And then tomorrow I'll train pretty hard. And then Wednesday and Thursday will be off days where I'm just working through techniques, letting my body recover. Um, nutrition wise, I still need to lose like four pounds. Okay. So I'm just eating a little bit smaller portions, same same food items that I normally eat regularly. I'm just shrinking the portion size so that I can gradually drop down, okay. but still feel like I'm getting calories in for my training. Right. And and that's about it. You know, like it's I don't think it's like really that technical when you really look at like what are you covering? Sleep, yeah. hydration, and breath work right. as far as like nervous system preparation. Now, when it comes to breath work, are you specifically doing Wim Hof method breath work or any other techniques? Uh... So recently, over the last couple of months, or I mean, since COVID really started and James Nestor wrote his book, um, it's breath, right? Yeah. Or yeah. breathe. Um, I think it's he convinced me to go all bored with the taping of the mouth during the night. And so ever since that book, I have been doing tape on my mouth. And that's been one of the most transformative things because I had already read Oxygen Advantage when we right. were you know, going back through the Wim Hof stuff yeah. back in the day. So I was aware of the importance of nasal breathing, Right. but I just never committed to taping my mouth because I was like, well, if I do nasal breathing during the day, then we can assume that like I'm developing that habit and that it's going to instill for the rest of the, the time. Right. But when I started actually doing the taping in the night and like just being like, all right, let's just see what happens when I do it. It was already taking me to another level. Like my sleep increased, my skin health went up. Um, my, I mean, if you're not doing it, you should definitely try it for like at least a month or two, because like at this point, whenever I take my mouth and put my head on the pillow, I just pass out. Like normally my brain's racing and I'm thinking about things I got to do the next day or just important ideas before I sleep. No, with the tape, it's literally yeah. like you're going to sleep right now. And then <laughs> I, I just wake up in the morning. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Like, I can't believe I just did it again. And it's, it's been every single night. Tape on the mouth, out. Now, and now, did, you, did you have any of the telltale signs of being a mouth breather when you were sleeping, like a dry mouth when you woke up or snoring? or? Well, the biggest thing is just because I eat late at night. Oh, okay. And yeah. So just because of my scheduling mm-hmm. that I can't help not eating that late, which yeah. they don't recommend eating at least three, two to three hours before you go to sleep to let your digestive tract kind of slow down and shut yeah. down before you rest. So um, I used to drool at night and oh, okay. I didn't realize that. So, the so that drooling, was a sign. Yeah. Yeah. I was it. My mouth is open, right? Right. Like if I'm drooling yeah. out my mouth and my mouth's open. So I realized that when I tape my mouth, I can yeah. still eat late and not drool out ah, enough, keeping it short. Good times roll, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, this is such a simple solution. Just yeah. tape my mouth. And, um, and, and you're not, you know, you're swallowing the drool, you know, you're just. Uh, you well, that's the thing too, is like by design, we're suckers. Yeah. So our entire dis- digestion is a sucking mechanism that helps push it through all the way through. So by closing that mouth, you actually create a better seal mm-hmm. for that sucking to happen. And dude, my digestion is even better. My metabolism is even better just from taping my mouth at night. Yeah. So it's been a really good change. But 
on top of that, um, when I read James Nestor's book, I reread Oxygen Advantage at the same time. And I think I reread, uh, what, uh, what other breath by, um, um, Dan Brule. what's his name? Dan Brule. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I like went ahead and like overlaid all these books together simultaneously so that I can really like revamp and think about the whole breath thing. So I started doing more Buteco training breathing now yes. where I, I've been doing a lot of walking with mm -hmm. a kettlebell in my hand for fine mm -hmm. stability, farmer's walks, yeah. but like long farmer's walks. I'm talking yeah. like three miles with farmer's a weight. <laughs> yeah, farmer's yeah. hikes. So, um, but I've been doing the breath holds with my walks. So nice. I know James yes. was doing runs with the breath holds, but I've been just doing walks and I'm, you know, I wanted to start slow and steady and create a, uh, a pattern that I could actually stick with. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing currently for my breathwork practice is a 30 minute walk. It's a uh, mile and a half. I have a kettlebell. It's like a 20 pound in one hand. I yeah. take a mace in the other hand, which yeah. is like a seven pound. So I look just like a, a warrior going to war <laughs> and I'm walking with this and every 10 seconds I'll hold my breath. And then yeah. every 10 seconds, I'll do a recovery breath. So okay. I'm breathing through my nose this whole time, but I'm just trying to recover. And then I'll hold my breath again for 10 seconds on an exhale. And then I'll do a recovery breath for 10 seconds. So like yeah. 30 seconds out of the minute is holding breath. And then the other 30 seconds is recovery. And then I do that for 30 minutes. And then- Oh, that's, every, that's awesome. How often do you do that? I try to do it every day if I oh can. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I've been doing it like, you know, three, four times a week. And that's like, dedication. Dude, that's awesome. I feel awesome. Like yeah. you get done with that, your entire well, system's opened up. Like you feel crazy good. And this is the thing. This is the thing with breath work. I think a lot of us, you know, we were turned on to Wim Hof method because you feel just so amazing when you do it. And I still do Wim Hof method. Um, but um, I think so often we ignore the carbon dioxide training, right? Uh, and, and to our detriment, because yeah, training carbon dioxide, right? Training that, that uh, our, our, our tolerance is not as fun, right? It's not as mind blowing and you know, all this stuff, but the rest of the day is so much better, you know? And for me, I, um, I don't, did I send you, I, I know I've got your address. I couldn't remember if I sent you a copy of my book. I haven't gotten it. Okay. So I'm so if you don't I'm get it, if it you don't get soon. it in the near future, let me know because I want you to I want you to to, to read my yeah, book. Yeah, I can't wait to dive yeah, into it. I can't yeah. wait. But um but yeah, one of the things that whenever I train like athletes and people uh just even even people who are just I have a lot of anxiety in my life, Jesse, and I need to I need to be able to relax and I don't understand why I can't do that we test their carbon dioxide tolerance. It's abysmally bad. And it's like, okay, I've got great news. You know, and this is the thing. It's good news because it's like, right. this is something that we can affect. We can, we so can, simple. Really, it's not that hard. And you can start like, you know, you're, you're, you're an athlete, you're a strength and conditioning coach. What, what you're doing right now is, you know, it's, it's miles ahead of where I start most people. And like, um, I'll have MMA fighters and things like that. They've got resting heart rates of like 50, you know, just great shape, um, young, and you know, they can, they can roll all day. And then I'll test their carbon dioxide tolerance and it's low. And I'm like, dude, you're about to become superhuman. 
and, and right. you don't even know it. And that's the thing where it's like, we, I, most of us overbreathe, and I know I'm a talker, and that's, I mean, I'm constantly mouth breathing because, da, 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 right? And, and so whenever I tested, when I first got in, of course, we, whenever we were training with Wim Hof in the mountains, I don't remember if we read, we were all reading the oxygen advantage before or after. I don't remember when. But Probably that, right after. It, it, it sometime it was in, it was around that time because I was like, well, wait a minute, I, I I was you know all we were doing is this deep breathing. Now this is I, I was a little confused. And I remember talking to um, oh uh, the breath guy. I forget what his name is. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, I'm sorry, Brett, the breath guy. <laughs> there's so many of them now. <laughs> oh, I know there's a lot of breath people. But um, I, we, were, we were talking um, and. And we're like, well, wait a minute, these seem to be contradictory, but they're the perfect marriage. And, right. and so, but I think oftentimes, you know, a lot of people get in to breath work because they want the mind blowing experience, which I'm not gonna argue with that. Um, but yeah, it's these CO2 training, man. And then the rest of the day, stress, it's like stress is just not as what it was before. And you can run up that flight of stairs and not be out of breath because i always was wondering why because i would i was uh, i was doing hit every day you know i was in really good shape and i was like man why is it that i run up the stairs and i feel out of breath i you know i shouldn't feel that well no you shouldn't um and it's it all comes down to that co2 of course you've got the vasodilation and all these other things that that come from it and so yeah that's that's fantastic you can you can do a, a yeah so i think like an important point we should bring up is like yeah. the co2 tolerance is a relationship to stress yes so like the so the better you have a, a tolerance to co2 the better you most likely have a relationship to stress and dealing with stress mm -hmm. and so like by measuring your co2 tolerance you can immediately kind of figure out why you're having anxiety or why you feel overwhelmed at work you know because you're not practicing breathing holding your breath so on Tuesday nights here in Miami, I do a, a guided breathwork session with, uh, you know, we have like 16 people that have been coming pretty regularly. Nice. I do a mixture of, I start with kind of a CO2 tolerance, Bateco kind of breathing right. to get them developing that tolerance before we go into our Wim Hof rounds mm -hmm. to let them go longer in their breath holds during that period. That's that. So thing. it's like I combine it together and which, you know, is mixed reviews about combining breathwork sessions. But for my breathwork class, yeah. I like to develop a CO2 tolerance and then let them feel the more, you know, lightheaded and trippiness stuff. Because people are like, man, I was seeing colors in my session and all this. But oh. then you have other people like I had trouble holding my breath really long. Right. And those are the people that I'm like, look just by change and they say i i'm anxious and i'm like well great news like you said great yeah. news is all you need to do is practice holding your breath more build a better tolerance to co2 and most likely because science has proven it that you're going to develop a higher tolerance for stress yeah and that's going to transform your life and they've they've done studies even and the co2 is this way for everything that's alive so like even like uh like uh fruit flies and just, just, you know, every kind of animal, CO2 causes us, it's this panic thing. And of course, it's the thing we know that when we feel high levels of CO2, oh my God, I have to breathe. I, I'm, I'm gasping for air. And yeah, just, just, and the thing is it can be super simple. Like 
the nice thing about CO2 training also is that you can do it without worrying about passing out, you know? Right. And so you can, you can just slow down your breathing and even on your drive to work every day, you got a 10 minute, 20 minute commute. Well, guess what? Just do some slow breathing. If nothing else, I mean, that's where I start people, you know, right. Um, right. Nasal, yeah. nasal breathing, just slow it down and, and kind of maintain right. a little breath hunger. Just, just, just maintain it. You don't even have to do, eventually you'll get to the hold. Right. You don't have to do the hold. You don't even have to do it. You just have to lower your rate of ex, uh, exhaling, right? To getting exactly. rid of the CO2. If you can slow that up down, then you're going to saturate yourself more with CO2. And that saturation is what we're looking for, right? Because then over time, you create the tolerance, you get the vasodilation, you get all the benefits. So it's just important that like you just slow it down yeah. if you're not doing that already. Yeah. So it's really cool to hear you talk about that because I, I think that, I mean, well, that was like my own little experiment, yeah. right? Because I'm yeah. like, I read the book and I'm like, yeah. all right, I'm motivated to do the tape and I'm now motivated to do these walks because of this whole COVID thing. I had like way more free time to just like kind of put into myself, you know? Sure. And I'm like, because they shut down gyms here in Miami, if you can imagine. I, oh, I moved right. to Miami. I'm like starting to get my yeah. clientele. I'm trying to develop a business here. Yeah. And then the government's literally like, you can't work in your health and wellness <laughs> or business when the immune system's yeah. so important right now. All right, go sit on the couch and be I'm healthy. Like, what is yeah. going on with life right now? So anyways, I just started doing my walks and started doing the walks with the breath holds. And I felt like immediate change. And because I'm like timing it all, I could tell like my own tolerance was increasing. You know, like when I would hold my breath for eight seconds while I'm walking, that was a challenge. Then it became nine, then it became 10. And I'm like, okay, I'm actually seeing physical improvement. Yeah, measurable and then changes, yes. Measurable changes. Yeah. And then on top of doing it all the same, always and over and over, then I noticed that my overall time of completion of the walk got faster while I'm maintaining the same breath hold time. So That's I'm like, okay, progress. I'm getting performance enhancement and still hitting the numbers that I'm getting on the CO2 tolerance holds. So I'm like, <clears throat> this is working. I'm adapting yes. positively to the training. So ever since then, I've just been like, this works. And then I have people that I, I do jujitsu with and they literally, people tell me, Jesse, they're like, yeah. are you breathing? Like, are you breathing? <laughs> I don't hear, I don't hear you breathing. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm breathing. You're going to get some like, kind of nickname. What do you have like, like nine lungs? Yeah. No, one guy's like, you have nine lungs. It sounds like, I'm like, dude, that's epic. But I'm a Wim Hof instructor. And they're like, oh, no wonder you can breathe like that. Cause you're, you're a breath guy. Yeah. So that's the importance of breath and training itself is that people are amazed that I'm able to keep going and, and remain so relaxed with my breath that um, I blow people's minds. Like yeah. it's really cool that they, they can pick up on that. Well, you know, you're, you're creating uh, the hormone EPO, which, which produces more red blood cells whenever you practice Wim Hof method. And then, so, so you're, you're expanding your, your capacity as far as oxygen carrying. So, and then at the same time, you're, you're building a tolerance to CO2 on the other side. So, I mean, it, it really is a, a huge expansion and not to mention being able to focus under stress is the name of the game, right? When you're playing human chess, you know, what jujitsu is. And, and so being able to, cause I, I, once I got some training in, you know, and the nice thing is being a breath worker, I was able to, to downregulate a lot of my, stress response, you know, at least I had, I had a few things going for me whenever I, I started jujitsu, but after, you know, I got some skill, there'd be, you know, some new guys come in and, um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They're, they're going really hard and heavy because 
they're in that panic mode, right? And so to, to be able to slow it down in your head, to be able to focus and still have that intensity, um, you know, dude, yeah, this, this it gives you the edge. It definitely gives you the edge. So um, that's been kind of my routine recently. And the, the farmer's walks or farmer hikes yeah. um, with the kettlebell and then the mace, I've been taking the mace and then holding it up like a flagpole to create more shoulder stability because okay. the diaphragm connects to the shoulders through the serratus anterior. So you have the muscle that cuts through the rib cage here to the front side of the, the shoulder blade. So I'm, I'm doing these breathing exercises while also thinking about my shoulder placement under tension Ooh. while moving and stabilizing the core. So it's just like another way of thinking of how our shoulder and our diaphragm connected while under stress of breath hold and walking, which is so important to our physiology, right? Because like over evolution, we've evolved to be walkers, yeah. runners, and throwers, mm -hmm. right? So like what kind of training are you doing to help facilitate that those movement patterns and make you better you know like I don't do conventional training anymore like I'm really like I haven't touched a barbell in like almost five years because yeah. um it's very static you have to yeah. really brace yourself and get locked into the floor or the bench press whatever you're doing because that's how you have to lift the, the equipment yeah. But yeah. like back in the day, you know, there wasn't really barbells, you know, training is a result that. of like having to supplement for our deficiencies in athletic movements we used to do in our normal life. You know, yeah. like if we were out picking up wood or farming or hunting or, you know, fighting each other, you know, those different things would fulfill our athletic desires and needs. But because we became so modern and less of those movements and um, it's just having more free time, we came up with the idea of exercise yeah. as a way to like supplement those deficiencies. And, you know, the problem is, is there's groups that are saying like all exercises are based on cadaver science or therapy as an industry, right? So therapy came around World War II when people were coming back injured. And so they came up with these programs of movements to facilitate rehabilitation of injuries but then all training kind of like built off of that right because they're like mm. oh this is what heals the body so this must be a good way to exercise and then uh -huh. people kind of evolved that into strength training and doing more of those kind of movements but yeah. that's based on rehab it's not necessarily based on what we're anthropology or like what we're supposed to be doing like as a species and so like if you study us as a species we walk we throw and we run yeah. And so like now most of my training is facilitating those patterns. How can I make myself a better thrower? How can I make myself a better runner? And then by just focusing on that, my jujitsu is going up. Like I feel way stronger in my jujitsu. And then I look at other people and how they train. And I'm like, hmm, maybe yeah. they're not getting the bigger picture. Like they're, they're solidifying themselves when they should be thinking about rotating themselves. You know, they're not doing things that go in line with the physiology. I love this. I mean, this is now we're starting to nerd out on stuff. And, and, and yeah, no, because there's a there's a group yeah. of different schools of training. Like you have um, functional patterns, which right. is with Natty Aguilar. He's out in Hawaii. He's a very interesting character, but he supports Wim Hof. He's been out to meet Wim Hof out at his training center. Um, he's into club bells and throwing, and he follows. He's all about physiology and evolution and abiding by those laws is what yeah. he calls them. Then you have um, David Weck, the Weck method from California. He created the BOSU trainer, 
and he's all and he has these clubs that you can use for throwing. He's all about that. And then you have Goda. Goda is the greatest of all time athletes. Goda, and like the goats. Yeah. And these, these to me and my research are like the top programs right now for fitness that are abiding by those rules of walking, running, and throwing. Okay. Now their approaches to accomplishing those three goals are a little bit different. They each have their own products that they're trying to sell you to right. facilitate those movements, but they're all like saying like, this is the way we should be training. Um, and it's interesting. I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards the camp of Goda, and here's right. why. They teach their coaches how to be slow motion video and analyzers. So they've, this is really cool. This is very That's fascinating. Cool. Um, they took four different populations. They took babies, high-performing athletes, mm -hmm. high-performing elderly populations. So people that are awake in their 80s and 90s but still doing track and field events. You know, okay. like a 200-meter yeah. sprint or anything like that, but they're super old, right? Wow, okay. So cl clearly something they're doing mm -hmm. is making their mechanics yeah. still functional, right? So in such a late age in their life. Yeah. And then the, the fourth group that they're doing is indigenous tribe people. So video of them that haven't been influenced yeah. by society, right? Modern society. And what they've shown through all these babies, high-performing like NFL players or basketball players, the elderly and these indigenous people is they all exude the same patterns when they're walking. They all have the same exact mechanics while they walk. And so Godo has created a language symbology or categorization yeah. to actually like say like, oh, look at this leg. That's called bowing where they're creating a bow in the tissue so that they can load the energy from that right side hip and then come around the corner and transfer it to the other side of the hip. And so then they like, they created an entire language to describe these movement patterns that you can see in all these different populations and then teach that to you as a coach to see it. Because that's the thing is like having the eyes to see the problem with yes. the person moving. Yeah. Because a lot of people right now, they, um, you just don't know what you're looking at, right? Like right. that's the key of assessments, right? Like as a breathwork gun, you look at sure. their assessment of their breathing pattern and you're like, okay, you're not hitting these baselines based on the assessment. So you need to do these things to correct it. Same right. thing with movement, right? Once you have the eyes, the lens to see what's the problem or what they're not hitting as far as like what we accept as the best pattern, then you can start to um, create a pattern to fix that deficiency. So it's really cool because, um, they just show you on their Instagram account video after video of them analyzing these movers and being like, all right, look, this guy's doing a great job. And they call him Godas. Like, this is the greatest of all time athlete. Now, on the flip side, right they, call, they call people Wodas, which is the worst of all time athletes. Uh. So, <laughs> and then there's a Boda, which is a between <laughs> of greatest all time athlete. And uh, most of us are Bodas, but they yeah. are Wodas. And then you want to be a Goda. And so um, I think it's really cool what they do with their analysis. There is a lot of, um, sadly, because again, we have a capitalistic or, uh, economy. So everyone's kind of like, you know, championing their brand and sure. pushing for theirs to be the best. So there's a lot of like friction between the different schools, those three schools, Functional yeah. Patterns, WEC Method and Goda. But it seems like Goda is really like knocking it out right now. They're, they're definitely winning me over. Um, 
I, if I could afford to pay for their coaching certification, I would. Yeah. It's a little pricey, but um, that's, I think that's where we're heading as far as like being able to watch someone walk on a treadmill, Yeah. go through yeah. the video with them and be like, look, this is what's wrong with your foot placement. You know, this is when you're stepping off the back heel and your yes. heel is going inward versus outward, which is like an innate safety mechanism for our connective tissue. So their slogan is like saving the world's connective tissue. And, <laughs> and it's crazy because then they'll show you videos of people that are lifting conventionally yeah. that are programming the nervous system to do a pattern that when they're in the field running and trying to do like a stiff arm and block, the nervous system goes to that pattern because it's been trained lifting weights in that so much yeah. that it then creates a failure in like an ACL tear or an Achilles tear because they're programming a pattern that's not used for that movement. Yeah. So it's like the software is choosing the wrong way to do it. Cause you know, the standard, you know, the overhead squat assessment and you know, you know, the, a lot of, a lot of those basic, those really standardized ones, you know, you think about, there's not much, I mean, there's, there's a lot you can tell about a person from one of those, but you know, to, to, to really, to, to really look at a, the way a person walks um, I mean, sometimes it's obvious, right? It's like, okay, you've got some issues here, but, um, but yeah, I would, I'm going to look into Because that. like, because, because here's the thing, right? You're saying yeah. there's assessments that are static, right? So yeah. you can look at them through this, the, the movements you and you're like, all right, your knees are collapsing yeah. in and you're like, all right, this Easy. happens with that. But, but it's not relating to how they walk because the walking pattern is dynamic. So they're yeah. actually moving. So they might move differently than the squat assessment. Yeah. So those are, those are a helpful, like very basic tool. <clears throat> but once you learn this lens of like, I mean, I, I figured most of this out. I bought their book, which mm -hmm. is cheap. It's like 20 bucks on Amazon. Okay. But if you go through their Instagram videos, like you'll get the education there. Like, I feel like I already got it now because <laughs> I've, I've watched enough videos where it's just learning what to see, which is when people are stepping, their heel needs to flip outwards as they're walking, like if you're looking from someone from behind <clears throat> and they're walking, their heels should go away and they call it heel away all day. You know, they have like really catchy slang words to like really like engrave this in your head. Like, okay, yeah. heel away all day. So, um, yeah, it's, it's what they call it is like everything is cadaver science. And what they do is, is singularity and fractal science, which is like, okay. if you look at fractals and everything's moving in curvatures. Yeah. So they, they think that like the way we move is more on like a fluid based program versus like static. And um, well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the one thing that I learned early on with weight training, you know, just, just going to hammer it at the gym. I still do weight training a lot. I mean, that's my primary thing, but if you, if you just do weight training and you're not working mobility and flexibility, yeah, you're just, you're asking for imbalances and you're asking for all kinds of problems. Um, well, what's fascinating about weightlifting, right? Is like when you lift something in order to lift it, you have to stiffen yourself, right? Like if you leave yeah. yourself like relaxed and fluid or flaccid, flaccid, then you're not able to create rigidity for leverage to lift. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so the whole way you, you lift things is by creating lever points and then rigidity so that you can move the object. Right. But that action is what over time creates stiffness and, and the cells actually become more calcified for rigidity. 
So that that's why like powerlifters are very stiff people. They're yeah. super strong and yeah. they can lift massive weights, but, but they have movers. to buy buy physiology become stiff in order to be a better lifter. Yeah. So like if you want to be a mobile guy, you know, that's not well, great. Well, there's for that. And like as a jujitsu guy, like yeah. who wants to be stiff, you know? Right. Like I look at jujitsu to me as transformed into being like a really high indicator of overall athleticism. Yeah. You know, like how well can you move what someone's trying to kill you or fight you? Can you get through that and not get injured? You yeah. know, like, cause, cause then I train with people that they go to gyms at other places mm -hmm. and then they come to my place and they're injured. And I'm like, what happened? Oh, I was lifting the bench, the barbell off the bench and I tweaked my neck. I put my neck in a way and I tweaked my neck. So I can't train with you because I tweaked my neck lifting a barbell. Absolutely. And I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm and like, wasn't I'm trying like, to kill you, right? <laughs> do you understand that I'm like fighting people and I still don't have injuries where I tweak my neck? Like, right. How are you accomplishing that? Like, what did you, what are you doing in your life that makes you in a position that just by putting your neck in a weird spot, you injure yourself? Cause that's not resilience. You right. know, that is not yeah. the definition of resilience. Resilience is like you go to jujitsu class Monday through Friday fighting people and at the end of the week you're still good to go to the next week that's resilience and that's yeah. what we should be exuding right yeah and then still recovering and adapting if you're not accomplishing the goals something with your programming isn't as good as it can be right because so maybe i'm no, I'm, I'm loving i'm loving what you're putting down ben i i'm i'm wishing that i lived in miami florida right now so that I could hang out and follow you around with whatever it is you lift and throw around. How, so, so I love the, the, the farmer's walk just in general is, is a fantastic exercise, I think. But um, I've seen a lot of videos where you have used, uh, you know, the kettlebells and then the, the mallets. Club bell. The, the club, okay, club bell. Yeah, it's like the one that looks like a baseball bat. The clubs, yeah, that's the clubs, yeah. So, so are those your primary, uh, yeah, sources? like, I, yeah, I'm using, so TacFit was yeah. created by Scott Stonin and Scott Stonin was the first guy to patent the design of the club bell in the United States patent office. Okay. So he, he saw, they're called Persian clubs they're yeah. from over there. And he was in Russia training, saw people with it and was like, yo, this is a badass piece of equipment. Yeah. Let me go ahead and bring this to the U S. So he created TacFit and circular strength training which is like the first program in the US to use club bells as a tool for exercise. And the idea behind this is like, it's abiding by the rules of we're throwers and we're runners. Yeah. And, and when you grip the bell, the club bell, it's the same as like pulling a rope. Like your handle on it is different than a dumbbell. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. a more of a gripping. So when you're swinging it, you're having to squeeze it like you're pulling on something. So very, very powerful dynamic tool. Um, he actually was the instructor of the, the guys that are at on it. So on it Academy. Oh, uh -oh. sorry about that. We're back. We're back. Sorry about that. <laughs> sorry. Um, on it Academy, um, had their instructors go through Scott Sonnen's tactic program. And they used to be tactic practitioners before they broke off and then strictly uh -huh. did on it. So if you want to know the pedigree bloodline, <laughs> it started with TacFit with Scott Sonnen. Then they came up with their own clubs. They're also a different design because I think the patent wouldn't allow them to create it similar to the TacFit club. <laughs> so right. different sizes too. Um, 
but to go back to your question, which so I'm, was I'm talking about I, your your modus operandi on a daily basis of training. I've I'm I've got this list that I'm making on my phone right now of all the things that I'm about to get into. Um, so yeah, yeah. So like, um, I'm pretty much trying to make sure that I'm always doing something for my shoulders that re relates to throwing. So the clubbells okay. are a great tool for like getting a throwing pattern in okay. and, and recruiting that through the core. Um, the other tool I've been using is that flow rope, right? I've been using a, a climbing rope to do these figure eight patterns, which immediately show you asymmetrical movement patterns in your body, right? So you're taking a rope and you're spinning it on one side and you're spinning it on the other side. Yeah. People can do them relatively quickly with their dominant side. Yeah. But as soon as I tell them to like flip the pattern to their non-dominant side, they can't, they can't facilitate the movement anymore. So it's a great way to immediately create balance between your, your two hands and your two feet. Because as you're using this rope, you're, you're using your shoulders, which connect to the hips, which then connect to the feet. Yeah. And so by using this movement, you're able to like reestablish immediately deep symmetry between your, your body. And um, so I use that. I use kettlebells as well, um, but I'm using them more like to do running patterns kind of things. Like I'm always okay. setting myself up in like maybe a split, a split squat stance, or like I'll do a lunging pattern where I'm stepping into some movement. So I'm always like facilitating something that would carry over into a run, into mm -hmm. a step, and then and then doing a rotation off of that. Um, and then I'm just doing a lot of body weight stuff. Um, I did yeah. get back into the Olympic rings. Um, and then okay. the, the farmer's walk has been so badass because yeah, for man, just do, you need to have grip strength, right? Yeah. You need to be able to grip. So here I am, I call it the grocery bag challenge. I'm over here <laughs> doing a grocery bag challenge for 30 minutes. Like how many grocery bags can you fit in your hands and go to the house with out of the car? Well, I'm doing 20 all pounds, so I don't know how many yeah. <laughs> It's got to be all doing of them, two right? cars. Yeah. I'm doing two cars <laughs> worth of groceries. Oh, my God. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Now, do you do – I've seen some of your videos where um, it looks like you have kind of a nice outdoor, uh, like, a, like a backyard or someplace that, that you train. Is, is, do you do a lot of stuff outdoors, or how does this work? Um, it's just so beautiful here in, in Miami, Florida, you know, yeah. uh, the tropics here, you get really nice hot weather. Mm -hmm. um, so I love the sun. I love yeah. getting vitamin D from the sun. That's great for your hormones, immune system. So anytime I get that option, I, I, I opt for it. Um, right now, I'm actually at Flow State Studios, which has an indoor basketball court and, and gym behind us. So that's been a, a really sweet space to work from. Um, so it's not really any like, of course, outdoors is nice, right? You yeah. get fresh air, you get sunlight. Um, but sometimes it's so hot out here that you <laughs> actually like to be indoors yeah. um, in the AC. Um, so, and so, then, yeah, go ahead. No, go well, ahead. I was going to say, I was, I, I, how, how far away is Orlando from Miami? Because uh, it's about four hours. Okay. Four right. hours. Damn. But nice. you could potentially fly into, I mean, there's an airport in Orlando, so you could fly to Orlando, but you could fly yeah. to Miami and then drive to Orlando. Yeah. So, that, you know, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, so we should so definitely link up. That's the thing. That's so what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to put together some kind of just like a huge workshop of just awesomeness. And then, so we're going we're gonna to do some Wim Hof method. And then 
then I'm going to say, Ben, punish me. Put me through, <laughs> put me through all of these. The, I mean, because the thing is, I'm always looking for something, you know, I'm always looking for, for something new. The, and, but I'm a human being who, who loves what I love, you know, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we all have. We find these ruts, you know, and it's like, well, I'm good at lifting weights. You know, I know the routine and I go here and then I lift this weight and then I go over here and I feel great afterwards. And okay. I, you know, so, I mean, I went, I did love, I did yoga for a long time. I haven't done yoga in a while. I do a lot of mobility now, but um, you know, so I'm, I'm definitely interested in a lot of that stuff. So yeah, because check this out too with the stretching, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there's an idea, oh, this is going to be a great demo for everyone. So mm -hmm. the, my issue and a few other people's issues with stretching yeah. is, is that connective tissue has properties that are like plastic. Mm -hmm. And there's something in engineering called plastic deformation, okay? And plastic okay. deformation is when you take a piece of plastic right. and you stretch it too much. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when you stretch it, it doesn't go back to the original length of this piece of plastic. Yeah. And if you can see, like you got these nice like riblets in there, like the color yeah. even changed right there. So that becomes permanent. And that's the term plastic deformation is now this has been deformed and won't go back to its original physiology. Yeah. So supposedly we have this capacity in our connective tissue that if you stretch it too much it doesn't go back and it's not as so, strong like it, it the, as far it, this is this is one of the biggest arguments against static stretches like is is that exactly what you're talking about and then you've you've actually weakened the tissue to some degree isn't that right right i mean like yeah i mean just look at this just back, like right? what you did like, there. i, I, mean, I just stretch it it's thinner it's, it's, it's there's not no way much, this is stronger yeah. as where it was before there's right. no way it's it's thinner it wants to rip like you might have a bigger rate you might be able to touch your toes better or have a better range of motion or whatever right but at the end of the day it's it's not necessarily making you stronger more mobile etc Right. And so like for me, whose focus is jujitsu right now yeah. as being the best jujitsu artist I can be, like being too flaccid, like Nadia Aguilar likes to use that term is flaccid body, where like you're, you're just too lax that like when it becomes time to be elastic and have stored potential energy, you're not able to do that because the tissue is too flaccid, it's too mm -hmm. stretched. So he's not a fond of that. And, and I've kind of figured that out with myself too, is that like, I'm just training things that make my body feel springier. You know, I want to be more elastic, more explosive so that when I'm in training with people, when it's time to have to like sweep them or bump them off me, like I have that rigidity and elasticity to like generate some force versus, you know, doing too much static stretching and not having that. So, um, I'm not a big, um, proponent of doing those static stretches and the practices yeah. that embody that. Yeah. Um, of course, there's practitioners in those programs that like know these sure. principles and kind of like get you to activate and really like be training during stretching. And that's that's kind of how I use when I do do a yoga class, kind of like change it in my head a little bit where like I will be neuro driving through the, po the positions. So it's less more less static passive stretching and more active stretching where I'm like pushing into the and creating activation.
and there's always exceptions to the rule. There's always going to be that one guy who, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, the guy in high school who could smoke weed all the time and then always ace the test. You were, you probably, <laughs> you could have probably done that. I, I was just smoking weed. And then I was like, oh yeah, we had a test. Oh, the test. That's right. But, <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, the, I'm, I'm going to respect your time. We've been going for about an hour and a half and I feel like we've only just scratched the surface and I want to invite you to come back on this and, and we're definitely going to hook up again. We haven't even gotten a chance to talk philosophy yet. So, I mean, one of the things, the thing is, I, I think what we, we have a lot in common whenever there's just so much interest in, you know, there's, there's physicality, there's experiential, and then there's the intellectual and then how these things merge together, I think is just the, this, this beauty of life, um, you know, and th there's the term, you know, warrior poet, you know, someone who's in touch with their emotional side, someone who's, you know, also in touch with that warrior side. And, um, and so, you know, I wish you the best on, uh, on my birthday. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, so, so one of my former students, so this is speaking of rigidity, one of my former students um, is Derek Lunsford, who is uh, a professional bodybuilder. Uh, he's uh, competing in the, the Olympia that night as well. So uh, I've got a lot of people I'm cheering on Epic. on my birthday. And so, and so it's, it's a crazy thing. Now you talk about a guy that is, you know, he, he's more rigid. You're definitely, uh, you know, very flexible, totally different body types, totally different uh, goals. But uh, you know, Great guys, uh, nonetheless. I am excited to see where jujitsu takes you because it looks like, man, um, you've really found something there. So, yeah, I want to get my black belt. So in okay. my mind, I have another five to six years of true dedication to the art yeah. of trying to be the best that I can be so that I can get my black belt. And then as a black belt, um, have my own school because I'm blessed right now to have my the affiliation and be a blue belt. And that's going to make me an even better black belt because yeah. I'm practicing teaching and my game's gotten so much better because you have to know the movements to teach the movements. So mm -hmm. you learn yeah. a lot about how the mechanics and, and even people's body types and some people, and we, we were just going to touch on a little bit, but yeah it depends everything depends you know like when you get yes. up to the higher level everything like there's no straight answer it's always, <laughs> and that's how you know someone's it's frustrating, like really right i wish i mean i i remember hearing this so often is like well you know it, it depends and i'm like well just tell me the answer right and that's the crazy thing and in 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 everything right eventually you get to it kind of depends uh or you know you're just gonna which is no when you know and that's when you know the guy that you're asking for that opinion is on an understanding of a higher level is legit because yeah, when you exactly. ask them you're like well what about this and then they're like well it depends and you're like what do you mean it depends and you're like they go well depends on this situation right and if that's not the situation then this is the situation and then you're like oh wait there's more situations i didn't know that they're not just making up answers just to get you to shut up you know they're actually right. say, you know saying okay yeah dude you don't really understand what you're asking I'm nice, you know, or, you know, that's the thing. And you know, when you found a real master that way. And so that is awesome. And, you know, um, how can people find you? Uh, you know, what are, I, I'm going to go ahead and link all of your links below and we're going to continue this 
I just yeah, really we definitely should time. come back. Yeah, I respect your time too, Jesse. I appreciate you so much uh, having me on. I really appreciate uh, being able to catch up with you and share this stuff uh, yes. for sure. It, it's really cool, and uh, it's really really cool to watch you blow up. It's uh, you know you're definitely a motivation for me um, for where I need to be going with my career and pushing myself as an as an online um, instructor and mentor. So that's been really cool to see you grow and. Um, People can find me on my Instagram. Really, that's my biggest platform. Uh, it's, I've seen uh, some pretty band. awesome videos uh, from not just your, a lot of different kinds of training, but also you're doing some instructional jujitsu videos. Is that, is that on YouTube or is that just no, on Instagram so right now? No, I need to start my yeah, YouTube brother, channel. Man. Yeah, <laughs> Get your YouTube Trust together me, like, and I'll link it on my channel and we'll get it started. Cool, because like yeah. that's what I need to do is uh, be cross um, sharing my my videos through all platforms, obviously, and get them on YouTube. But I'm on Instagram. It's uh, Ben Pelton Plan. That's B E N P E L T O N P L A N Plan. And um, you can find me there. You can DM me, send me messages, follow me, whatever you want. And uh, and I guess I'm on Facebook, but I don't really use Facebook. So right, um, find when me you're through on Instagram, Instagram. It goes over to Facebook and. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, eventually I'll get my YouTube channel together yeah, right, and well. get it going. Awesome. Well, hey, brother, I appreciate you being here. Guys, check out Ben Pelton. If you haven't joined the Patreon club, what are you doing? Take a look at my right. link below to join the, uh, the Breathwork Club. Guys, thanks so much for watching. If you haven't already done so, please like and subscribe. And don't forget to go out there and be kind to one another.